You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. Welcome into the Husker 24-7 podcast. I'm Mike Schaefer. Today joined by Brian Christopherson here. Last day of February. It is going to be March tomorrow. Brian, uh, you know, because I, I really like to prevent people from hearing about Nebraska for as long as possible. If you were doing rankings of the months, is February like the last month for you? Is that 12 out of 12? Um. It would be 11th, maybe. I think January's up there. I don't like January much. Yeah, that's fair. Um, that's fair. So, You're a Vikings fan. I understand. January is just a house of horrors. Yeah, February, that's a good point, though. The NFL's disappeared, so there's no football. Right. And so that might make February the worst month, even though it's my birthday month, you know. Oh, okay. Um, but – Still, that, nowadays I'm old enough where that's not exciting. That's like a downer. So, <laughs> it shouldn't be a downer. Well, I mean, I'm not acting like it's a it's the worst thing in the world. But yeah, you get to that certain point where you're like, yeah, I don't really want to add a number to the, that. So uh, February is 11th or 12th. Uh, what's the best? What's number one? Uh, this has nothing to do with it, it being my birthday month because I really don't care about that. But I just think when you add up everything that happens in that month. I feel like October is my number one. It's like peak football. You get great football Saturday, Sunday. You have the playoffs starting in baseball. Um, and I love the weather. Like when we get the, and we only get like two weeks of it, but when you get those two weeks of like crisp autumn air, 60 degree days where, you know, you just, you have to have like something long sleeve on just yeah. the best, like absolutely the best everybody's in a hoodie and you're kind of, you don't say anything about it, but you look at there like they're in a hoodie too. You know, it's just like, it's, 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 it's like a really great feeling. And then, you know, there's like haunted house stuff. Like even if you don't partake in it, you got to sort of have this thing going on off to the side that you can appreciate that other people are enjoying, you know, and they're eating apples and stuff like that. Caramel apples. So yeah, October would probably be number one. Um, yeah. I, I don't know. September would be, close to just because it's like football gets rolling football is so much a part of these rankings yeah it's a big part of it like i remember um when i used to live in an apartment complex i was close to one of the high schools and i'd wake up in the morning and you'd hear the marching band kind of going through their show like the drum cadences and and i loved that it was just like yes you know like got that got you you were just hopping down the street because you're like, it's football season. The weather's nice. I don't have to wear a coat. Let's do it. I didn't know that you were a big marching band guy. Right? 
I was in the marching band, actually. I've, I've, I kind of keep that on the down low, but I, I played the trumpet. You uh, were a 27 sport varsity athlete and you had time for the marching band? Well, uh, my parents bought me a pretty nice trumpet um, when I was in uh, junior high. I think they know this. I don't think I'm telling them anything they don't know, but I felt really, it was like a, I mean, it was an expensive piece of equipment. So I felt sort of guilty, like I can't give it up. And so I stuck with it, even though I was not fit for the marching band and uh, shouldn't have been out there. There was one year, I hate to say this, I, I shouldn't, but I didn't know our, I didn't know our show. Like I didn't know the music or like two of the, <laughs> the halftime show. Oh no. I was out there kind of doing that. And that's not something you should brag about. And I'm not bragging about it. I'm saying it like one of those things you look back at yourself and you're like, man, that wasn't good. Um, yeah. But yeah, I was, I was not the best representation in our band. Um, and I, I apologize to all the, the marching Vikings out there that were, that had to have me in it. Did- did you ever get a superior at your like state competition? I don't think so. We got close though. We had a good band. It was solid, but we were we, you the one holding them back from the superior? It could be. They were like they had it probably marked in that little card where they had people walking around. They're like, yeah, one of the guys isn't even playing. You know, he's just like roll stepping at roll step. That's what it's called. The roll step. You're supposed to yeah. cover um, five yards and eight steps. I believe is proper marching. Uh, marching stepping uh, size yeah it you always knew when school was about to start uh in columbus because i lived about a two three blocks from the high school at about 6 a.m starting in august the band would be out there practicing mm-hmm. uh band is big in columbus like it is a big 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 deal i don't understand it i was never a part of it i have no musical inclination whatsoever but in columbus like if you were in the band like that was the homecoming kings and queens were coming through the band. Like band is big in Columbus. Really, yeah. that's interesting. I, I do remember Columbus had a big marching competition, yeah. um, and I don't know if it's still there or not. But we would go to it. We'd get bus to it, and again, not looking favorably on me, but I was so in like <laughs> football. I remember like being really sort of perturbed because it was like interfering with like the Nebraska yeah. game. It was basically like a wedding, you know, it was like it, it, someone scheduled a wedding in the middle of like four times that fall um, with these competitions. So I would have my little earbuds on. I took the buds out when I was on the field. I didn't listen to the game while we were performing. Um, but uh, Nebraska whooped Kansas State one year when we were performing in Columbus when D'Angelo Evans went off. Okay. Yeah. The 89 to three game. I'm pretty sure that I connected those dates right. All right. Wow. That's, uh, that's impressive. I, I would just like to point out the incredible range of this podcast. We spent six minutes basically talking about the marching band, uh, all because you sort of mentioned it offhand about an apartment complex that you used to live in. So just, uh, you know, props to us. Yeah. And then I made myself look really bad as being a guy who wasn't like a good teammate, but that's okay. It's, it's, it's old news. I, I, I apologize for not, for not doing my part. We might have had that superior if it weren't for me. Well, the important thing is you're my teammate now, and I think you're a good teammate. And right. part of you being a good teammate is you kicked off our series that we have going, uh, that we've just started. We're going to focus on a different state each week for the next, uh, what, five, six weeks? I forget how many. I think it's six, but, yeah. 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 So, uh, And it started with the state of New Jersey, which 
is one of those states that it's it recently it, it probably hasn't produced the same caliber of player that it did when when you and I were growing up. But it's one of those states that you can't tell the story of Nebraska football without talking about a bunch of guys that came from New Jersey. I mean, you really can't. And it, it goes all the way back to the 70s. You've got a Heisman winner uh, that came out of there. I mean, Nebraska's had top draft picks that came out of there. The Peter brothers have come out of there. You talked uh, with, with Baron Miles. That'll be a story later this week. I mean, New Jersey is really important to Nebraska football. And not this podcast, but later this week, Brian Doan, We'll be on talking about what the state of New Jersey meant uh, for Nebraska football. And as a guy who grew up in New Jersey, you can talk about how, you know, Nebraska meant the he watched a lot of Nebraska games on television because they were nationally televised. Like people, people in New Jersey knew of that program quite well uh, in the 70s and 80s because it was a televised program for them. And that really played a big part, I think, in, in getting a lot of those players uh, from the Garden State. Yeah, it did. And the the fun part about this series is it's not just like because this does happen in these parts and I'm not blaming anybody. I partake in it. But we like we love history. We like to go back and oh look at this. And so, yes, that is a piece of what this series is about. But we've also picked out states where it's very clear that rural staff um, has some ends there. And it's probably going to be recruited at maybe a different level than we've seen it recently. Um, you know, every staff's got their spots where they're strong in. But, um, I mean, rural staff and the time they spent just at Temple alone and having to – you have to own, to some degree, spaces in New Jersey and Philadelphia to succeed, you know, when you're coaching out there. So they've got all these connections to coaches that is that are built up through that time. A lot of guys on this staff – I mean, Matt Rule grew up in New York City. Um, you know, E.J. Barthel, who will be featured this week, as uh, a lead recruiter in New Jersey, he grew up in East Rutherford, you know, and as coach in the Northeast, basically most of his time there. Um, so I think people will be interested in hearing like someone like EJ Barthel and different coaches talk through like how you work through this state, how each state maybe has its little quirks or their things you got to navigate um, because New Jersey has got a lot of talent um, sort of in a condensed area. But there's a lot of traffic, too, as E.J. Barthel was saying, and people read. So you've got to be able to you, – you can't just, like, pop, pop down in a spaceship suddenly and think, like, I can recruit New Jersey. Like, you've got to have, like, a plan at the beginning of the morning. Like, this is precisely what I'm doing to get from this point to this point. Otherwise, you're going to get lost out there. So that it's a good thing that they've got a staff that, that knows the roads in and out. And – um I think people will be interested in it. And yeah, the throwback stories will be fun too. Cause Nebraska does have amazing New Jersey throwback stories like Baron miles. I won't give it all away, but he was five, eight, one forty as a senior in high school, five, eight, one forty. And Frank Solich's like, I like him. And they sent him a letter. And um, I mean, a, a guy like that, you, you think like he might've fallen through the cracks nowadays and uh, he ends up being one of the favorite Huskers, you know, of that era, I would say. A lot had to happen for Baron Miles to get to Nebraska, and he got every ounce that he could out of his experience. I know from talking to him in the past, it's a really cool story as to how he got there, and it's really, really important to him that it all worked out. Yeah, 
And I didn't even know this. I kind of in researching it. Rogier and Irving Fryer were not like, I mean, I'm not saying they didn't have some attention on them, but Irving Fryer never got the ball like at his high school. Yeah. Ball. Reading that story you had on Monday. I mean, just kind of walking through that and you think like, you know, I don't always think of Irving Fryer when I think of Nebraska wide receivers because he had a more prolific NFL career. But yeah, you're absolutely right. You'd think that he would have been a more valued player in the state of New Jersey than he actually was. Yeah. And so that was interesting. Rogier um, was like a fullback who was not utilized as much as he probably should have been at his high school. So you could have, uh, some people could have looked past him. He needed to go the, through the Juco route. So I mean, Nebraska had to stay patient with him. Um, but yeah, there's those stories of like some of the most unbelievable Huskers this program has had. And you think like, man, as a recruit, that guy was sort of just a, a normal guy. Like you wouldn't have, you wouldn't have thought like they were going to be part of the scoring explosion. Um, they've only had like 40, um, about 40 scholarship guys since 73, I think from New Jersey. So what makes the state so interesting from the past perspective is like that four or five of them are among the like 10 or 12 greatest Huskers. You know? yeah. <laughs> like that's a, you know, Rogier, you know, Friar, you could say maybe Rich Glover, definitely. hundred percent Rich Glover. Jason Peter, definitely. Um, you know, Christian was a very good player. Um, so it's a uh, Baron. I wouldn't say is maybe top 10, 12 Huskers of all time, but he like, He's really one of the greatest special teams player to ever grace the doorsteps of Memorial Stadium. And some would argue Nebraska doesn't win the 94 national title without him. He was a lockdown corner in the Orange Bowl and also in a game against Kansas State where Nebraska was playing with their third string quarterback and couldn't do anything on offense. So, um, yeah, he it, it's a it's something how Jersey is sort of has this odd link to greatness to Husker football. Yeah, and we're going to explore that a little bit more. And then when Jersey Week ends, we're going to flip the coast and we're going out west to California. And uh, we will dive into all of that. And then we'll come back to the Midwest and you'll just have to see where we end up and uh, who we talk to and all of that as we go through the month of March. All right, bringing it a little bit more current. Saturday, Nebraska basketball had a huge game against Minnesota. And yet, Brian, it was upstaged, I think, a little bit, um, and not in a bad way, by the appearance of Dylan Rayola on uh, on what I guess would be called a bro weekend or a boys weekend, I guess, featuring <laughs> his brother and his dad and his uncle. Uh, and they just happened to hang out in Lincoln, Nebraska, and just happened to be spending time around, you know, uh, coaches and Trev Alberts when it was a dead period. All of that, we'll see how that goes. But Dylan Rayola on camp, well, at least at Pinnacle Bank Arena, and it was just pandemonium. I know you were working afterwards. He was standing out on Canopy Street and just mobbed by mm. people. And you have photos from people that were standing, like they're in the apartments up above, like taking photos of him down below, and you just see the mass of people. Uh, Dylan Rayola not even committed to Nebraska and arguably for some, the most exciting thing going on about the program. Yeah, there was a moment during the game, the basketball game, where uh, Kase Tomonaga was uh, cramping up. So they had to bring him over 
you know, to kind of be on the bench. And he was sort of by that front row behind the basket. That's, you know, like 15 feet behind the basket. And that's where the Riolas were sitting. And I was thinking like, well, this is a moment like, yeah, Kese was like getting worked on, you know, stretched out all that stuff. I'm, I'm reenacting it too. Um, like five feet from Dylan Riola is just like kind of, you know, hovering above it, watching it. I was like, these are the two biggest rock stars in like Huskers. Sport. <laughs> there there it is and like it's sort of an odd thing that they actually met up and they're like right here within four feet of each other right now so yeah, yeah it was it i mean it was what you'd expect he got um all the roars whenever he was seen um got the chance from the students and um i think he already knew it but it just confirms it like you can be a rock star here still with husker football um you can be that other places, but it's the show here. And, um, you know, it, it's sometimes probably useful to like put an exclamation point behind that idea. Yeah. So he was in, I believe they're called the Loge boxes or whatever. I don't know. It's some fancy term. And that's when I obviously like, I didn't know where he was. I assumed he was in the building, but that section where those are, are right above where I sit. And people were all sort of like turning and then the chance start. And it the whole thing made me just think of like, you know, the the movies or whatever that would show like an opera on the the big the big famous opera box where everybody's looking up there and that's where like the famous important people or the royalty are. Like that's kind of the the vibe that it gave me, just watching people just turn and stare up at that box just to get a glimpse, to get a glimpse of Dylan Rayola. And oh, by the way, Nebraska's coaching staff. This happened to be sitting up there too. Yeah, the only the only thing that could have made it um, um, probably a bigger roar is if uh, Dominic had lifted Dylan up as like the, for the Simba cam. The Simba cam. Oh man, yeah, he's just holding him over the holding him over <laughs> in a joking fashion. Yeah, that would have been uh, that's that was a missed opportunity. I mean, that would have wow. been great. Humor. Um, and I love the Simba cam, by the way. It's about the best thing going on sports. It's definitely replaced like the Kiss cam is, be, you know. So like, yeah, we're over it. The Simba cam is where it's at now. Does does that make Donovan Rayola scar in this analogy? I don't. I don't like where this is going. Let's maybe. I don't think that's right. Yeah, I don't. I don't know that we want that scar. Scar. It's uh, it's his dad who holds him up. Well, no, but yeah, but I'm saying if we're going down the Lion King route, it involves a jealous brother, and oh. you know, yeah. uh, I, I don't I, know that you've ever seen the movie, but I've seen I've seen Lion King. Yeah, uh, yeah okay. Anyway, you know what I mean, though. Like the, it's let's not get too like in, into it. Simba Cam's fun, and there was a chance there for something. But anyway, uh, I would say uh, it sounded like uh, you know Dylan Riola did an interview with. Um, Steve Wiltfong after the visit and he he said it was something else like he's never experienced basically so I mean it was uh uh good for Nebraska I know you even I think we can talk more about it another date you don't have to get on to it I think you upped your points on mm-hmm. Dylan on the crystal ball I'm I haven't put in a crystal ball but I'm I'm w- with you right now like where I, I I just think right now it feels like Nebraska at this moment as we're doing this yeah, I I also, you know, when I first put in that crystal ball, I did so with the idea based on what I was hearing that 
something could happen in late March and early April. And I still believe that to be the case. Like I, I think we're inside of like a six week window where I would not be surprised if, if Dylan Rayola ends up committing to Nebraska. Like that's, you know, like that's sort of where my confidence is at. And it all lines up with the information that sort of led me to feel like, okay, this is a done deal. Not, not a done deal, excuse me, but this is trending in the right direction of, of potentially getting that commitment. We actually weren't going to go as heavy in the Ryla talk, but we're, yeah, here. we're here and people are, that's, that's the thing right now. Do you think, do you have a good read on who Nebraska's biggest competition actually is for him at this point? Or what do you think of that question? I think it's still probably Georgia because I, I don't know. And I sometimes get the name wrong. So feel free to correct me. I don't know that getting in line behind Malachi Nelson does a whole lot for Dylan Rayola at USC. I understand the interest that you would have in playing for a Lincoln Riley system as a quarterback. You look at what he's done and who he's produced and the the Heisman trophies that have followed. Um, And yet, you know, Malachi Nelson, I believe is a 2023. So uh, there wouldn't be that much separation there. And he's going to redshirt because Caleb Williams is still there as, as USC's quarterback. So I just don't know that I'm willing to put USC on the same level as Georgia. I think Georgia has done a great job in terms of recruiting them. There's a strong connection there uh, because of Matt Stafford. And I think he played baseball and spent a lot of time around that program. And I think he feels very good about the Georgia Bulldogs. Uh, But I just, I, I just think Matt rule has done such a strong job in a short amount of time to sort of elevate Nebraska. And then, you know, moments like Saturday show why it's different. You know, I not that there wouldn't be enthusiasm if he showed up, you know, wherever Georgia plays basketball. But I just don't think that it's going to – and part of it is they just won the national championship. Like, they're going to be fine if they don't get Dylan Rayola. Um, you know, so I, I just think that part of that just leads me to believe – Nebraska's above if I was going to rank it out it'd be Nebraska and then it would be Georgia and then USC I'm not even sure Brian that there's a fourth team uh at the moment like I don't I don't know who that would be exactly if there is so um I just where things seem to be headed um I I just have Nebraska kind of in that pole position and I think it's going to take a lot for somebody to jump right now at this point yeah I was asked today by someone like what's what's next in this story and we're kind of in the holding pattern. I mean, yeah, like we really are. So we're kind of, I do feel like we're kind of like the helicopter circling now with the Ryola stuff where, you, you know, I, I know I was on my answer uh, when I was asked on the radio, it's just sort of, cause you're kind of, it feels like you, you don't know where to go with it to, for the next part of it. So, and that's okay. I, I think people just got to hang in there a little bit. Like I, I, sometimes it feels like everybody wants something new on that every day. And, you know, it's, it's, we're just heading into March. So a little patience, the visits are upcoming. He's supposed to come back to Nebraska, the 24th, 25th, going to be a big weekend. We'll keep highlighting on our site, obviously, who's going to actually be here. I like your approach on that. We've, we've done our work in saying who we think is going to be here, but as you know, like it's all fluid with recruiting visits, but definitely Ryle is supposed to come back that weekend. 
Yeah, and um, you know the the sort of interesting thing to me is going to be, uh, and we don't have to spend a lot of time on this, but you know, Daniel Kalen sort of targeted late February, early March initially, back in December uh, for when he'd like to to make a decision. And Nebraska is very much in the picture when Matt Rule first got hired. You moved to January. The last time I talked to him about it. Uh, he said that things could have gotten pushed back because he had more suitors. I know for a fact teams are watching Nebraska and Dylan Rayola, and they are keeping an eye on that because they are very interested in Daniel Kalen. Mm -hmm. And so I wouldn't be shocked if Daniel Kalen commits before Dylan Rayola does. I I think teams are going to go very hard. I think he's going to have some visits. I believe he's going to North Carolina the first weekend here of March. Um, you know, he's had already some good success with the seven on seven circuit, like as a subplot to everything, Dylan Rayola, uh, Daniel Kalen, I think is going to have a really interesting next few weeks. Um, and there are some teams that I think are really, really hoping to get him to campus and, uh, see if they can get a commitment while he's there. Now that's an interesting sidebar. And I, I noticed, I like this too, um, Alan True wrote the story. He wrote a story about Kalen like a week or so ago. It was sort of updating. And <clears throat> Nebraska, of course, wasn't real prominent in it at that at that point. Um, and Rule has done this before, but he retweeted it, you know, the story. And, you know, Rule has said this, that <clears throat> he really wants in-state guys to just have success, I think. And, like, um, you know, even if that's not in their program, and so, I don't know, I thought that was a nice little touch, just one of those social media things you notice. But, um, yeah, Kalen's definitely someone to watch because you can tell that a lot of people, and I think Nebraska, too, like are really intrigued in his um, recruiting talent. It's just sort of an odd cycle where he happens to fall the same year as the number one player in the country. Yeah, just been living in that shadow ever since uh, Friday Night Lights yeah. back in 2020 so or 2021. So it's uh... – been difficult i would imagine for him but i i do think there's going to be a good ending for mm-hmm. for daniel kalen as well brian let's take a uh, quick time out when we come back we are going to talk nebraska basketball what happened on saturday against minnesota and i i, I don't think it's out of out of line to say the biggest week for nebraska basketball since 2018 2019 uh up ahead with michigan state and iowa two games that nebraska frankly um has the chance to win and we'll see what they're they're able to do so some basketball talk when we return hiring for your small business if you're not looking for professionals on linkedin you're looking in the wrong place that's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank linkedin helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role in a given month over 70 percent of linkedin users don't even visit other leading job sites So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. All right, I promised basketball. I promised a little bit of a hype cast. 
I uh, I don't know that I'm going to do the the let's get hyped voice for it. I apologize um, because you know this is the sort of podcast people will listen to three days after that game is played on Tuesday night. So I guess if you're if you're coming to this a little bit late, you know, feel free to stick around for our our great analysis that you know it's coming. But uh, we're going to talk some basketball here, Brian. I I was a little worried going into Saturday's game against Minnesota. Like I just you know, Nebraska, it just felt like they could maybe let their foot off the gas a little bit. And they didn't play their best game. But what we saw actually makes me feel good about this program in a way that extends beyond the next couple of weeks. They had a bunch of guys step up on Saturday and play some of the best that they've either played all year or some of the best stretches they've played in a long time. And it would it came from way down the bench. I mean, Jamarcus Lawrence had 10 points early in that game to kind of allow everybody else to settle in. You know, hopefully he can kind of get the free throw shot going for him here. He would have had some more. Uh, But that confidence that he has uh, really kind of shown through in that Minnesota game. Like he took took some big shots early in that game and he he got to the basket. He hit a three. I mean, uh, I was impressed by him. C.J. Wilcher probably had his best game in a while. I think he had a really good game against Penn State, was it? Uh, earlier this month, but this was probably his best game since then. He had 12 points. He, you know, he really was able to find some success inside, and uh, he played well. He showed a lot of hustle. Sam Hoiberg, you know, I, I can't say enough good things about him. You know, and, and Wilhelm Breidenbach. I mean, I thought he had a nice, you know, stretch in that game against Minnesota. And all of that to say, like, it wasn't a big August show. Derek Walker was fine, but he wasn't, you know, we've seen him have better games. And, and Sam Greisel, uh played really well. But, um, you know, it, it just – it was good to see further down the bench. Some of these guys kind of have these moments because Nebraska is going to need that depth in the future. And if they're going to do anything this week and, and potentially in March, they're going to need that depth to, to help them out during stretches of games. <clears throat> yeah, Minnesota had a good plan, actually. Derek Walker tore him up in Minneapolis. Um, had kind of a career day in that game they won back whenever January and it's overtime. Um, but they, I, I felt like they had a good idea how to defend him with their bigs and they really had a concerted effort. Like we're not going to let Tominaga get off here. And so um, they're saying, let's see if other people can step up. And that's sort of hitting to your point. They did, you know, like in, in those moments, uh, Jamarcus Lawrence, Yes, the free throws are an issue, but sometimes you can just tell like early a guy has like bounce that night and has a little something that to his step. And he he did like there is confidence in the way he was just going up shooting. And um, I know they've been working behind the scenes with him on that. And I don't know, Jamarcus Lawrence, you really have seen throughout the last month or two, like he's going to be a really exciting player, I think, for this program to watch him grow. Um, Cause he's already at a starting point that I don't want to compare him to some past guys necessarily, but I feel like he's a little bit ahead of some guys who ended up being pretty good players in this program for where he is in his first years as of actually playing. So that's encouraging. Now this Michigan state game, um, there's a couple things that worry me. One Michigan state beat him by 17 on the boards last time. I mean, just crushed them. That was a game where Nebraska's offense was abysmal in the first half, fell behind. They scored 17 points, I think, in the first half. Um, 
And also what concerns me actually is that Michigan State blew that game Saturday um, against Iowa. You know, it's just a weird defeat where you lose an 11-point lead in 50 seconds in regulation. They lost in overtime. And Michigan State's not on the bubble because they have so many quad one wins in their Michigan State. They're going to be fine. But you know that they're looking at this as like sort of a game, like let's go cement ourselves, you know, let's like prove like, you know, we're in the, let's put all any, if there is any possible talk about, you know, do we have to show something or what's our resume? They put an end to that by going and winning on the road tonight. And so I expect they're going to be fully dialed in with Izzo after blowing that game um, Saturday. So Nebraska is going to get a top effort from them, no doubt. And everybody is going to have to maximize his niche, as we've seen from this team recently, for them to keep it going. Yeah, you know, that Michigan State game they played earlier this year, I want to say that was one of the January games after they got the win against Iowa. Um, you know, it it looked like it was a, an opportunity because Michigan State's sort of been uneven this year. Like, they haven't really been super consistent. I think that shows they're 9-8 and eight in conference. I think they're what, like an 18-win team overall. Uh, they have some interesting results in there. And I, like, I I understand where you're coming from with them sort of losing that game. Like, maybe they're, they're going to double down or dial in a little bit more here in Lincoln. I also think, like, you think about it this way, that's going to sit with them for a little bit. Like, at 11 point over a minute, you blow it in Iowa. You have to get on a plane, fly back to East Lansing, couple days later, you're flying out to Lincoln to play another game, kind of a quick turnaround. And maybe all of that kind of catches up a little bit. I mean, they shot, I don't have the stats right in front of me, but if I'm remembering the game correctly, they shot really well in the first half. Like they kind of ran Nebraska out by doing the opposite of how they had played up until that point. You know, it was one of these circumstances. And I think the same thing happened against Michigan for Nebraska, where they just got shot out of the gym in the first quarter or first half, and then didn't really have the ability to recover. Nebraska's been one of the better defensive teams in the country in the last month. But they have made scoring very difficult for their opponents. Some of that might just be catching Wisconsin, Minnesota, Penn State. You know, you're not facing the best offenses. But if Nebraska's defense plays well, I think they can really kind of put a lot of pressure on Michigan State, who's sort of an uneven team. If you get an off night with some of their guys – I, I would expect Nebraska to hang around. We know that crowd's going to be loud. We know that crowd is going to be in that game if they get an opportunity early on. Uh, and, you know, we've seen Tom Izzo and Michigan State lose to other teams here at Nebraska in the past. Like, I, I don't have this sort of feeling about Michigan State that, you know, you might have with a different opponent coming in where if it was like an Indiana or something where it just sort of feels like it's it's just not going to go your way. I I just kind of feel like this is a game Nebraska's going to hang in. And part of it is they just play so much better at home. Yeah. No, I think they're going to be in the game, too. I mean, Nebraska's a tough team right now. Like, I, Minnesota is garbage. We all know that. But, I mean, Rutgers, Maryland um, are part of this winning streak, you know, wins over them. I mean, it's not chopped liver that Nebraska's beaten to win the last four games. Uh, so, I think if you also look back at the first time Nebraska played Michigan State, even though it was a lopsided score and Nebraska had that 17-point first half, I think I said this on a previous podcast, I remember in the second half of that game thinking, man, if Nebraska had just not 
crack, you know, trickled it down their leg in the first half, they could be right with this team. It didn't feel like um, Michigan State had some amazing edge on Nebraska as I was sort of watching it, if the Huskers would have just hit some shots in the first half. So I do think this isn't your prototype Final Four type Michigan State team that uh, scares the crap out of you. They're not. So there, there is an opportunity um, for sure. Um, Nebraska's going to have to be a lot better on the glass, though. And they're going to have to, uh, you know, there's going to be those wild card guys. Like, I, every time it's kind of a joke, I always say, like, CJ Wilcher is the wild card because it feels like he's that, like, extra guy who's hanging out over here. It's like, if you can get, like, 10 to 12 from him. Uh, but he is like a guy like him having 12 would be huge. You know, if Jamarcus can give you 10 to 12, you know, it's going to have to be a balanced attack and see where it goes. Um, also, Michigan State, even though I think the psychology, the way they're built, like they're going to come out and play well. Um, they actually played really well against Iowa. And it's sort of like in Major League Baseball where your your pitcher throws a three hitter and gives up one run and you lose one nothing and you're just yeah. kind of stewing about it you know um so they wasted one of their good days where you're 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 playing as you should and nebraska on the other hand got a win well well not having their like best mm. day you know and so maybe that's ahead so there's that angle yeah, I think a big thing in this game, I mean, I was just looking over the box score the first time these teams met. I mean, Nebraska is 2 of 16 from 3. They've actually won some games down the stretch here in February where they haven't shot that well from outside. I mean, they beat Maryland. I think they had four total three-pointers in that game. I don't feel like they had many against Minnesota uh, on Saturday. So if if they can get it going a little bit from the outside, I think and you mentioned Wiltshire and I, I get it. I have as many reservations as anybody does. And early in the year when they had a deeper roster, I was dumbfounded by how much he was playing. But I just think it's because if he kind of catches fire, it's just it gives you, you know, it's a lot easier to take away Tominaga when there's nobody else that's knocking down shots from the outside. If C.J. Wilcher shows a little bit of shooting tonight against Michigan State, it's a lot harder to take away Tominaga because you, you can't just leave him wide open too. And so, um, you know, part of the thing that makes Nebraska dangerous is if they can get going from the outside, you have to defend that. And suddenly it opens up things for Derek Walker. Like they, they have weirdly one of the more complimentary teams when they can just make those outside shots. It's just been such a struggle to have it consistent. Uh, and so that's going to be a big, big part of tonight. I mean, uh, Michigan State hit eight threes. Nebraska hit two. I mean, that's I'm no math major, but that's 18 points. And they lost. Uh, what did they lose by? Probably about 18. And they lost by 18 points. All right. Look at that. 74 56. So mm -hmm. I, uh, I I always feel like the the great equalizer with the three pointer. Nebraska has to be able to to hang with some of these teams. Uh, they just can't you know can't have that big of a disparity especially when you aren't rebounding well. And what's uh, what's the status on some of these guys? I mean, Casey kind of got banged up towards the end of the game. Uh, I think his foot ankle got stepped on there before he went and shot free throws. Blaze was in a boot. Um, Sam took an – both Sams took an absolute beating in that Minnesota game. Some of it by choice because they throw themselves all over the floor. But they, they got hit around a little bit too. I mean, where's Nebraska health-wise going into this, Brian? I think Blaze is a worry. Um, 
still that, you know, he had that setback against Maryland and it sounded like it was pretty bad last week. Like he wasn't, um, <clears throat> sorry, I have a, I have a little frog in the throat. Um, yeah, I don't think, uh, I don't think he, I, I kind of be surprised if he's available. Um, but the thing is Fred Hoiberg didn't, um, really get into the injuries yesterday. He usually is kind of an open book. Some of it wasn't asked. So I'm assuming Casey is good to go and, and stuff like that, but it, it wasn't really brought up in the uh, press conference setting the other day. So it'll be interesting. Most of the talk, of course, was about Tominaga and it being senior night and him walking, which is at the, I understand we, we wrote about it too, but that's going to play itself out in the weeks ahead. There's nothing really to say about that story yet. Um, yeah. They got, they got to figure it out behind the scenes and we can get more into that in a podcast at some point. Cause it's kind of an interesting story about how NIL works and some of that stuff. Um, and the last thing I'd say, Schaefer, before we get going, this was supposed to be a 20 minute podcast, but we got going. We're really good at going long. I talk too much. No, no, I got going on marching bands and then <laughs> we got pretty deep in Ryla and all that stuff. Um, the thing I learned this weekend is just don't weigh in on the net, the net rankings for basketball. I had a little tweet and I meant it more about Ohio State. I just have been humored. Like they're the most humorous team in the net to me. I get it. They play close games. They could beat you on a given day, but they're 12 and 17 and lost until Sunday and lost 15 to 16 or whatever. And they're ranked 70th or whatever. Like they're a quad two team. And I just took a little shot kind of using Nebraska as an example. And of course, everybody's like, Oh yeah, Nebraska, you know, they think I'm like standing on the table as we like to say for Nebraska. Table bounding, yeah. yeah. <clears throat> and uh, I really am not. Um, I don't have a strong take on Nebraska's NAT ranking. I'm just saying you can look at some of these teams like Ohio State, and there's other examples like Pitt is ranked below like four or five ACC teams. They've they've cleaned their clocks this year. I just think if we're going to brag about this tool in every telecast in every game, um, I don't know. I wish it were there weren't some outliers that just were weirdly strange and rewarded a team because they lost by eight points as opposed to 15 points. Yeah. Yeah. I'm with you. You can, uh, you can drive a, uh, a truck through the holes and the, the, the net metrics in my opinion. Um, but it's really hard. I think right now too, with the parody that's in college basketball and the big Ten's a great example, you're going to have a lot of teams that are right around 11 and nine and 10 and 10 in conference play. And I don't think there's a ton that separates them. I mean, for for example, Hunter Dickinson makes that three against Wisconsin on Sunday. They would have been 16 and 13. Nebraska's 15 and 14. Is there a big difference between Nebraska and Michigan? The score when Nebraska played out at Michigan says yes. But I, I don't really feel like there is because there wasn't a big difference between Wisconsin and and. Michigan and Nebraska just beat Wisconsin. Like, I just think you don't have outside of probably Purdue. I don't know that there's any team that's just that much better than anybody else in the conference. I really don't. Uh, and using these metrics to kind of determine it, just it's difficult, especially when quality of loss is a, uh, a barometer, I guess. Yeah, I, I I get what they're trying to do. We we don't have to get in a whole thing about it, but yeah, it's a it's a weird. There there's some weird metrics involved, but there's no there's no perfect way to do it. And 
you know, the bottom line is hopefully the people that are making decisions, if Nebraska could win one of the two this week, especially, um, I really believe if they win one of the two, they deserve to be in, in the NIT. I mean, they, they played probably more quad one team. They're three and 13 against quad one teams, but just the mere fact that they've played Mm -hmm. that many games, they actually have more quad one wins than I forget what the number is, but like eight, eight teams in the top 30, you know, of the the net ranking. So anyway, um, a win tonight would go a long ways. And, uh, you know, if you lose, you got to go play at Iowa Sunday, and that's a tough one. So Nebraska still could get the 10 seed also now. Yeah. I mean, they're tied with uh, Wisconsin and Penn State going into this weekend, hold some tiebreakers. So the possibility is there to avoid the bye. We, I don't know if that's good or bad, but that's where it is. So we might as well go get that now if you can. Yeah. Uh, let me let me ask you a couple questions, and we'll get out of here. Do you think – which of these scenarios do you think is most likely? 0-2. One and one, two and zero. Put them in order from likeliest to least likely. I hate to say this. I think zero and two is my top pick. Mm-hmm. And I kind of I hate it because I I really like what this team's doing right now. I think tonight tough game. I would pick Michigan State, and then you're going on the road. So I'm just going by who I pick. Like yeah, yeah, yeah. Um. So I would say 0-2, 1-1, um, then 2-0. and uh, But if they go 1-1, and that's what I say. Like, put them in. Put them yep. in the postseason. I mean, it, if look at what they've done recently. Also, I know they might not – maybe they're not supposed to factor this in, but if you wanted a team for your NIT tournament that actually filled the place and was just nuts <laughs> about being there, you, you got one. So um, something to maybe think about in the side conversations of whoever makes those decisions. Can I sell you on that the least likely outcome to me is one and one? Like, I feel like if they win tonight, they have a a better chance of winning on Sunday. If they lose tonight, they have a much larger chance of losing on Sunday. It just feels like it's, I I feel like it's 0-2-2-0 and then one and one. Like, that's how I would probably rank it as well. Um, Though I... I'm going to, you know, we'll go ahead and we can give our predictions for this evening's game. I, I think they're going to get another one. Like, I think they close it out at home this year with a win. Oh, you're saying a win. Okay. I'm, I think they're going to get another win. I, uh, I I really don't like this Michigan State team that yeah. much. I, I really don't. Um, you know, I, it's not that they're not good. It's not that they're not at least like a 12 seed tournament team. But frankly, like they're kind of just living off the name more than they are their actual season results uh, than anything else this year. So um, I, I like Nebraska to get this one tonight. Uh, and I think if they win tonight, they're going to win on Sunday. Michigan state is one of those teams where they could play a big dog and give them heck, you know, like they could be in a game with them, but they could also play about anybody else and be in a game with them. So they're kind of in the, but, I mean, I think they're seven and nine against quad one. So they have big wins, but I know what you're saying. Like they, they definitely are, they're a flawed enough team that Nebraska will be in this game. Like it'll be down to the wire. I'd yeah. pick Michigan, I'll pick Michigan state probably just cause I always try to look at it as like, take the Homer part out of it. Like obviously around here, we'd love it for the storylines if the Huskers won, but let's say you, your, your car was right. You have to give away your car depending on picking this game right. 
I would probably pick Michigan State by a few, but um, I I expect it to be a close game. Yeah, I uh, I do as well. I'll uh, I'll go opposite. I'll take Nebraska, uh, and I'll I'll throw a score on it. Give me uh, 68-63, Nebraska by five tonight. Okay, <clears throat> I'll say seventy-two sixty-six, Michigan State. Um, couple free throws at the end sort of putting yeah. it at that margin but yeah what do you think one more overtime game for you in that building I feel no, like there's, no. <laughs> you, you want to be home before midnight what was the year um we're let's just keep this going what was the year when uh nebraska just blew the doors off of michigan state remember and that team went to the final four i think uh, was that the 2014-15, the year after Nebraska went to the tournament? It might have been. They had a run where Tim Miles, I think, beat um, Michigan State and Tom Izzo like three out of four times. Yeah, and they they won there a few times. Like they were, yep, they were a real headache for Michigan State. Let's uh, see if I'm right. I've got the schedule pulled up. 2014-15. I think Nebraska was at home, and I I thought they. They took care of them. They won by 20. Uh, or at least it felt it, like. It was not 20. Let's see. Was it the year after that then? Was it the Andrew White year, 2015-16? I know what you're talking about. Yeah, we are not wrong on this. It's a the, It was a Izzo team, and I think that team made the Final Four that year. Like, they, they put it together sort of after that. Nebraska probably deserves credit you know, for spurring them on to that, um, that run. But anyway, yeah. So uh, anyway, I, I was thinking about that game and be like, wouldn't one of those tonight be fun? You know, just like everything's going your way sort of deal. Um, and boy, that place, the, the lid would come off of it. I could not find this game, Brian. I can't find it. We'll have to locate it. I, we can't be wrong on this. I don't think, but I was 8 p.m. game tonight, too. So, you know, there's going to be a little extra <laughs> like, you know, people are kind of milling around eating their dinner, having an extra beverage or two in the rail yard before this one. So it's it, uh, they need that fast start, because if they do, uh, the place is going to be up for grabs, I think. Yeah, I uh, Nebraska beat them three straight years starting in 2014. Uh, but they their wins were by single digits each time. Maybe Michigan and, State came back and made it closer. I don't know. But um, anyway, I, or I could just be completely wrong. We've never been wrong before, but this could be the first time. Yeah. Well, if we had our stats department here uh, and yeah, Michael Brunts, he would have yeah. he would have had that queued up for us. But unfortunately, we don't. All right. Well. Uh, we shot for a 20 minute podcast and you're getting 50 minutes. So congratulations to you, the listener. Uh, congratulations to us at Husker 24 seven. We provide great content. You can check it out at Husker 24 com. We have that state series rolling along right now. There'll be stuff every day as it relates to Nebraska's efforts in New Jersey, both looking back and looking forward with this new staff. There is plenty of recruiting stuff uh, up. You know, we followed along. There's visitors coming in. The month of March is one day away visitors can start coming to campus uh so you're going to start seeing more and more recruiting stuff going on there as well baseball went three and oh over the weekend if brunch was here we'd be talking about another metric in the rpi where they're i think top 10 now 
uh, <laughs> after starting the year 0-3 and 1, and now they're 3-3 and 1. So there's just a lot of stuff, and we have it all at Husker 24-7. Check that out. Uh, for Brian Christopherson, I'm Mike Schaefer. We'll be back later this week with more podcast content.